0: pick up this uh, series of lessons we have been involved in. I'm excited about it tonight. I want to talk tonight again from the theme ancient uh answers for the struggle ancient wisdom for modern problems. This is part 15 and we are in Proverbs 15 for part 15. I want to uh want to suggest to you today that as we witness the world um Uh, violently clashing against itself. One of the things that we have come to recognize is that a lot of the problems that we have been confronted with have been problems of the personality, problems where people are are rude to each other, mean-spirited, And in the face of discussion and argument, what we have are violence. People, uh, many of these young murderers who have committed these horrific uh, crimes against our children in schools were bullied and traumatized. And the trauma they experienced was translated into their spirits as hatred, as evil, as anger, and then displayed because hurt people end up hurting people. I think that many of us don't realize how powerful words are. And we engage in words that we use loosely without ever thinking. My children think that I am overly um, pressing when they use words like, I hate you, or I'm gonna kill you, or I'm gonna knock you out. Now, they use those as colloquial phrases for upsetment, but even in the usage of them, they don't recognize, well they didn't, and I think they're becoming they're recognizing it now. How those words can be destructive and harmful. And if you say I'm playing, you will say the same word in anger, and it will have a different effect. If you use words like, I'm gonna kill you, and someone ends up dead, somebody's looking at you and they're gonna say, but you said you were gonna kill him. As though your words were more than hyperbole. Well, the reality is, if you tell a child you're ugly, you're fat, you're, you're, you're mean, you're stupid, you're not gonna ever learn, those things get put into their spirits. And what ends up happening is, you have a child with with body issues, <laughs> and they're, they're walking around feeling as though they're not happy in their own flesh because someone talked about their hair, they talked about their physical appearance, they talked about the way they walk, and so all of a sudden this whole body dysmorphia takes place, this whole uh, uh, effect where they are uh, lose all positivity about themselves and instead, they began to internalize the words of people. And sometimes we say it, we don't mean it, but we say it, we, you know, we'll we'll look at someone and say, ooh, look like you should lay off pizza. Well, you don't know what that person's struggle has been. You don't know that they just lost 40, 50 pounds. You don't know that they've been dieting and they are struggling. They've got a thyroid issue. You don't know that. But instead, you are speaking off the top of your head based on what you think you see, and in some ways, you may even think you're being helpful. And it's not helpful. It's not helpful. And so a part of what Proverbs does is it helps us to reshape how we interact with the world and what we do in the world because they recognize the harm of words and the harm of actions, so that the words that were coming out and the actions that were happening could be hurtful. You know, um, you know, people who say uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That that is true in some sense, but it is completely false in another. True that names don't hurt you like a stick true that names don't hurt you like a stone but it's not true that they don't wound your spirit it's not true that they don't go deep inside and sometimes I'd rather you beat me than to say certain things to me because those things can have life long scarring effects grandparents be careful how you talk to your grandchildren parents be careful how you talk to your children be careful how you talk down about the people in their lives because you don't know the relationship they have with those people. So the same people you're talking down are people they're in a deeper relationship with and they begin to dislike you because of your words. Guard your words in everything. So let me get into the lesson tonight. I want to offer tonight nine wisdom lessons from Proverbs 15. Nine wisdom wisdom lessons from Proverbs 15. Nine wisdom lessons from Proverbs 15. Nine wisdom lessons from Proverbs 15. Number one, number one, it is speak pleasantly. Speak pleasantly. Beginning at verse one, here's what the word of God says. And I'm reading from the Amplified version. A soft and gentle and thoughtful answer turns away wrath, but harsh and painful and careless words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise speaks knowledge that is pleasing and acceptable, but the babbling mouth of fools spouts folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good in all their endeavors. A soothing tongue speaks words that build up and encourage, is a tree of life. But a perverse tongue speaks words that overwhelm and depress, crushes, the spirit speak positive, speak pleasantly. You know the, the the thing that the text pivots on is the word that God is watching. The eyes of the Lord are in everywhere. God, is, are, that's verse three. That God is watching what we do, and, and and God is watching even what we say. So you can say, well, I didn't hit anybody, I didn't slap anybody. No, but what did you say? What came out of your mouth? That person walked up to you with a smile. They left with a furrowed brow. What came out of your mouth? What did you say? What, what, what words came out? I remember parents talking about, you know, everything from, from the, well, you really don't want to date that person. Their nose is too big. And your babies are going to have, what? Just be quiet. Keep all your ancient stupidity to yourself. Listen, you have to realize that speaking pleasantly is the thing that God wants us to do. To build people up. When we give answers, don't be so quick to give your first thinking. Because your first mind may be flippant. It may be something off color. It may be something you just were thinking for a laugh. And it doesn't mean it's the right thing to say. Uh, Deacon Medina will test to this I will cut people off in the middle of a statement if I think what they're about to say is not helpful and and if I have to I'll cut you off more than once because I realize what you don't may not connect to is that when you speak something wrong you have the ability verse 4 said to crush the spirit now they're not talking about the holy ghost they're not talking about the anointing they're not talking about crushing somebody's greatness in god no they're talking about crushing their human heart they're talking about you have the ability by what you say to push somebody into depression to push somebody over the edge they charged that young lady not too long ago with, um, with, with uh, almost a fraction close to murder because she was telling a young man to commit suicide. And she was encouraging him. And he ultimately took his own life, the blood of Jesus. The devil is a liar. And several times she texts that boy telling him he should do it. And if he was on the edge and may have walked back and his life may have been redeemed and saved and he may have gone on to do great things, instead, her words of malicious conversation over text, and there were literally hundreds of them, pushed him over the edge. And I'm gonna tell you, I know you're never gonna be that bad, but I wanna say it as an exaggeration to your own being. There are people who are on the edge of quiet desperation who may come into your sphere and you need to mock your next words and make sure you're speaking life because you have the power to crush the spirit. You have the power to wound in such a way that a person won't recover. I get upset because You know, when I was growing up in school, we had school teachers that would say things. Well, you know, we know you're not good at math. Or we know if you just be quiet, it doesn't matter what you do in class, I'll pass you. Because I'm already looking at you and predicting the failure of your life before you've ever had a chance to live it. And I pronounced it in such a way that no one can get mad at me because I didn't really tell you you are going to be a failure, but I've already said what's going to take place. And now instead of trying in math, you just sit back and watch every other student. You just sit back. You don't even try to do the problem. You don't even realize you come from nations and people who invented math. Instead, they take it from you by their words. I want to, just again, I want to say people learn how to speak pleasantly. I I know sometimes people think that I'm overly pleasant. I I can make good out of anything and say something positive about anybody. But you can say what you want to say. I live my life biblically because the devil does enough to crush the world that somebody has to try to lift folk up. You ought to be on the side of speaking pleasantly. Verse 4, you ought to have a soothing tongue. A soothing tongue. That's what he says. Your tongue ought to speak in a way that builds up and encourages. And he says, that tongue is the tree of life. A soothing tongue is the tree of life. I'd rather be called uh, as one having a soothing tongue and being connected to the tree of life than to be mocked as one with a perverse tongue that crushes spirits. We need to get to the place where we're speaking and we're spreading, we're speaking positively all the time. Speak it out. But not only am I speaking pleasantly, but number two, I'm going to spread positivity. I'm going to spread positivity. Look at what the word says, verse five. Verse five says, a flippant, arrogant fool rejects his father's instruction and correction. But he who is willing to learn regards and keeps in mind a reprimand and acquires good sense. Great and priceless treasures is in the house of the consistently righteous one who seeks godly instructions and grows in wisdom. But trouble is in the income of the wicked who rejects the laws of God. The lips of the wise spread knowledge. The lips of the wise spread. Spread knowledge, sifting it as chaff from the grain, but the hearts of the short-sighted fools are not so. Let me tell you something. The lips of the wise are going to spread positivity. I'm going to spread knowledge. I'm going to spread positivity. What do you mean, Reverend? I mean, if I can help you, I'm going to help you. If I can show you the way, a a better way than what you're doing, I'm going to try and do that. Because I'm going to try and spread positivity. I don't care if you're mad at me. I don't have to be mad at you. I'm still going to try and bless you. I'm going to try and work with you. You may you may reject me, but you don't. But I doesn't mean I have to reject you. You may walk away from me, but I mean I walk away from you. I'm going to love you anyhow. I'm going to be positive anyhow. And if anybody come ask me about you, they won't get anything from me but that which is good. I'm not going to speak negative of you. Why should I? Why should I? Because I want to put you in your best light. I'm going to try my best to always speak into your life that which is going to build you up. Because if I'm building you up, guess what? I'm helping you to become what God wants you to be. If I'm tearing you down, I am aiding and abetting the enemy. I'm working on the side of Lucifer. I'm working on the side of Beelzebub. I'm working on the side of Slewfoot. I'm working on the side of demons. And I refuse to work on the side of demons that will tear you down. Instead, I'm gonna spread knowledge and I'm gonna be wise when I speak. I'm not gonna jump on everything to say about everything. I'm going to hold my peace, keep my tongue until I can speak that which is going to bring you into the place that God wants you to be in. Because that's the wisdom. That's wisdom. Now, I want to um, the, the, the next one shifts from those positive uh, affirmations to something more negative, which tells you what happens as retribution for foolishness. So number three, the third lesson is, when you don't learn what God wants you to do, number three is, there is severe punishment. Severe punishment. And this one I need to take my time with for a moment because I want to make something clear. Going to church, worshiping God, and not having a pure heart, you've done nothing for yourself but set yourself up for failure. Purify yourself. Bring yourself into alignment with God. Watch this. The sacrifice of the wicked is hateful and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. That's verse 8. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. So God says, when when somebody's wicked and they still call themselves, I'm going to do what the Lord said, shut up. God said, I hate what you're doing. That, That ain't working with me. The way of life of the wicked is hateful and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. But he who loves, one who pursues righteousness, personal integrity, moral courage, and honorable character. There is severe discipline for him who turns from the way of righteousness and he who hates correction will die. Sheho, the netherworld, the place of the dead, Abaddon, the abyss, the place of eternal punishment, lie open before the Lord, how much more the hearts and inner motives of the children of men. He says, you've got to realize, brothers and sisters, that you have to live this life in a certain kind of way. God's watching. Verse 12, a scoffer, unlike unlike a wise man, resents one who rebukes him and tries to teach him. Nor will he go to the wise for counsel and instruction. A heart full of joy and goodness makes a cheerful face, but when a heart is full of sadness, the spirit is crushed. The mind of the intelligent and discerning seeks knowledge and eagerly inquires uh, after it, but the mouth of the stubborn fool feeds on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are bad, but a glad heart has a continual feast regardless of the circumstances. Let me say it again. When I... Refuse to live my life in alignment with God's principles. My worship is in vain. My church going is in vain. My giving is in vain. The the, the Clark sisters sing that song, Is My Living in Vain? Look, it's not in vain if you're serving God from a pure heart. But when you live contradictory to your faith, when you will will not allow yourself to walk in spiritual discipline, to give your life to God in such a way that you are spreading God's joy and God's peace and God's happiness, where you're the bearer of the light of the world, instead of being one who brings darkness, God says, I can have nothing to do with you. I don't care how you worship. I don't care what you do. God says, I want you to understand, no matter what your fervor is in God, no matter how much you go after seeking God, if you have a zeal of God that is not according to knowledge, it is not any substitute for your integrity. Your integrity brings you into high places and even before the Lord so you let me put it another way you can't cuss somebody out in the parking lot and come dance your way around the church and think it's all good you can't cuss somebody out because they took your parking space and then come into the church and act like nothing ever happened come on You can't walk in the church and get mad because Usher didn't sit you in your favorite seat because COVID going on and we're trying to keep room between. You you can't act like an idiot and think because I worship hard, it wipes out all of my lack of integrity. Think I'm kidding? God gave the same message to Amos, the prophet. Amos chapter 5. Verse 21 through 24, I'm reading from the New King James Version, Amos 5. Here's what God said to Amos. God said to tell his people, I hate, I despise your feast days, and I do not savor your sacred assembly. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I won't accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your string instruments, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty string. God says, I hate all that stuff if there's no justice. I say this to some churches who have accepted slavery and they went along with it and they even preached and allowed their people to function as slave owners, God says the same thing to you. I say this to folk who have no regard for the lives of children and will allow people to go and get guns at 18 and walk into Uvalde or go into Sandy Hook or even to someone walk into the Pulse nightclub and kill folk because they don't like their orientation. I say it to all of them, you can't preach the gospel on Sunday morning and live with that kind of hatred and violence in your heart. That wickedness stinks in the nostril of God. You can't tell me you love God and you hate everybody. You can't tell me you love God and you think that white supremacy is okay. You can't tell me you love God and you think it's okay to hate someone because you don't like their faith. You can't tell me you love God and then you want to go around here and just beat up on people because they're Asian and they don't look like you. Come on here. All that shouting and praying don't mean a thing to God. Your integrity ain't worth two dead flies. Micah comes back and says the same thing. Micah 6, 6, and 8. He says, with what shall I come before the Lord? and power myself before the high God. Shall I come with him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, old man. He said, no. He said, all that stuff don't mean nothing to me. Particularly, you don't want your child. That, That comes from pagan worship. He said, look. He said, I'll show you. He said, I've already spoken it to you. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? Preach what I'm trying to. There's severe punishment if you don't learn how to be humble. The problem with most people is the reason they can't speak positively, the reason they can't speak pleasantly and, and spread positivity is because they have not learned to be humble. Being humble makes you get to the place where you worry more about God than about the foolishness of this world. I know I'm teaching tonight. And then number four, I, I got I to gotta move, I got to move, I got to move. Whew, bless God tonight. I feel like teaching. Number four is you need to learn simple presence. Simple presence. Now, by this, I'm not telling you not to have nice things. I'm not trying to tell you not to have a nice heart. Car, nice home, whatever. But learn how to live life with simplicity. Learn how to be happy with what you got. If you can't be happy with what you got, you gonna get, praise God for what God's giving you. Listen, verse sixteen says this: Better a little with the reverent, worshipful heart and the fear of the Lord. Than great treasure with trouble with it. Said so better just have a little bit than to have a lot with a lot of trouble. Better a dinner of vegetables and herbs where love is present than a fattened ox served with hatred. Verse 17, I want to do that again. Let me let me let me put it another way. The, the Living Bible says: it is better to eat soup with someone you love. Than a stake with someone you hate. Preach was. Verse 18 A hot tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger, patient calms, and patient calms dispute. There's something about you when you get used to living simply and enjoying what God has given to you, you end up being more patient, more kind, more loving. You end up, look, when stuff gets hot, you're the one cooling it down. You're the cooler. No, we don't have to yell about that. We don't have to fight about that. The other day in, in, uh, I believe it might have been in Philadelphia, People running down the street. Some Two people get in a fight, they both pull out guns. All of a sudden, the whole neighborhood is in, in shambles and people are running down the street there because they're a gunfight. And now people are injured from running on the street. They're injured from cars in the street. They're, they're injured from the bullets that are flying between. Two idiots! Learn how to live simple, with a simple presence. Uh, the Message Bible gives verse 16 this way. And I love verse 16 in the best Bible. said, a simple life in the fear of God is better than a rich life with a ton of headaches. A simple life in the fear of God is better than a rich life with a ton of headaches. Let me tell you something. Don't you look at folk who are rich like they got everything. Because having stuff and money doesn't make you happy. It doesn't make you happy. I see folk put all together in the mansion, 30,000, 40,000 square feet and all that. That, that, that. Wonderful. But you probably end up living in two rooms, the kitchen and your bedroom. And the third room is the bathroom. That's it. Let me tell you something. You would rather have a little bit with joy than a lot with anxiety. Learn to enjoy your life. Learn to live your life, living in the in the in simplicity in the presence of God. That doesn't mean you don't need to get, get a nice house. That does not mean that. I'm not trying to say that, but I'm saying to you, don't hurt yourself, trying to be what you're not. I'll come back to that in a minute. Number five. Number five. When you live right. God is going to give you a smooth path. God is going to give you a smooth path. When you live right, God says, I'm going to make ways for you. I'm going to make a way out of no way. People are going to talk about you and say, man, look like everything just coming together for them. Well, God's making a way. God's working it out. God's taking care of me. God's taking care of my family. God's taking care of my home. How how do you mean? Because God is on my side. The Lord is with me. Listen, verse 19 says, the way of the lazy is like a hedge of thorns. It pricks, lacerates, and entangles him. But the way of life of the upright is smooth and open like a highway. Preach wise. He says, the way of the upright is smooth. God said, "I smooth it out for you. I make a way out of no way. I make a highway in the desert. Smooth. A wise son makes his father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Foolishness is joy to him who is without a heart, without heart, and lacks intelligent common sense. But a man of understanding walks uprightly, making his course straight." Smooth and straight. Oh, man, come on, Watts. Without consultation and wise advice, plans are frustrated. But many counselors, they are, but with many counselors, they are established. Let me tell you something. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. See, when when you live in the right, you don't mind asking advice. You know the times when you don't want to ask advice? When you want to do what you want to do, but you don't want anybody to tell you to do something different. You know what you're getting ready to do is wrong, and you don't want to get any advice, so I'm going to do my thing. You know you're not supposed to be over there, but you don't want nobody to say anything to you about it, so you're not going to ask anyone, because they might just mess up your plans. All you do, you're just hating on me, just hating on me. You don't want me to have any fun. You don't want me to go anywhere. I can't do anything around you. No. The counsel you're receiving is the counsel to lead you into a smooth life. Now, you do what you want to do, because in many counselors, there's safety. But you're going to make your own plans. I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. I got more on this. I'll come back. A man has joy in giving an appropriate answer. And how good and delightful is the word spoken at the right moment. How good it is. The chosen path of life leads upward for the wise that he may keep away from Sheol, the netherworld, the place of the dead below. Okay, preach wise. Number six, number six, number six, number six, smash pretensions. Smash pretensions. You, You know, Stop trying to be what you're not. Stop trying to be what you're not. You, 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 listen. The Lord will tear down the house. I'm in verse 25, chapter 15 of Proverbs. The Lord will tear down the house of the proud and arrogant, self-righteous. See, when you, when you are arrogant, God said, I'm going to tear that mess down. But he will establish and protect the boundaries of the land of the godly widow. Evil plans. And thoughts of the wicked are exceedingly vile and offensive to the Lord, but pure words are pleasant words. He who profits unlawfully shall bring suffering to his own house, but he who hates bribes, does not receive nor pay them, will live. Let me tell you something. Verse 25, one more time from the message Bible says, God smashes the pretensions of the arrogant, he stands with those who have no standing. God smashes the pretensions of the arrogant, but he stands with those who seemingly have no standing. In other words, if you walk around in arrogant pride, all that stuff is going to fall. But if you walk around living humbly with your God, God said, folk may not know your name, but I'll stand with you. I'll keep your stuff for you. I'll bless you in ways that others dream not of. Number seven, number seven, number seven. There is spiritual power, particularly in those who are righteous. Spiritual power. Oh, this, this this good right here. This is good right here. There's spiritual power. I can't preach that loud enough. Particularly in those who are righteous. Look, when you walk in righteousness, God says, I'm going to give you power. Verse 28. The heart of the righteous thinks carefully about how to answer, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, in the wise and appropriate timely way. Sometimes you ask me something and I'll say, get back to me tomorrow. Get back to me a little later. Call me back. Why? Because I'm wise. I'm not going to speak to you out of my arrogance. I'm going to try and pray and meditate on it so I can speak the truth. But the babbling mouth of the wicked pours out malevolent things. When you're wicked, you just say any old thing. You say any old thing. The Lord is far from the wicked and distances himself from them, but he hears the prayers of the consistently righteous, that is, those with spiritual integrity and moral courage. Going back up to the top, where I talked about it a moment ago, God hears the prayers. Of those who have spiritual and moral courage, the light of the eyes of the eyes rejoices the hearts of others, and good news puts fat on the bones. The ear that listens to and learns from the li- the life-giving rebuke, reprimand, and censure will remain among the wise. Look, your power lies in you doing what's right. The more righteous you are. The more integrous you are, the more God is going to bless you. The more righteous you are, the more integrous you are, being slow to speak, living humbly, doing what you know you can do. God says, I'm with you, and I'm empowering you every day. How are you empowering us, God? How how will we become powerful? Because as we pray, God is hearing our prayers God is hearing our prayers. And in this case, the hearing is in the heeding. God knows what we need. And God's hearing our prayers. Now, two left to go, so let me, let me see if I can get this to you. And I'm going to get out of here on time, Then I promise you I will. The next one is something I've been trying to preach and teach and preach and teach and I keep coming back to it because I keep trying to get you to surrender. Hardest thing to do and the, thing, the real mark of humility and being humble is a surrendered life. Come on back, say it again, Watts. The real mark of being a believer is a surrendered life. The hardest thing to do is to live a surrendered life. It's easier to say, Lord, I surrender, than it is to actually surrender. Let me do it again. Verse 32 says it this way. He who neglects and ignores instruction and discipline despises himself but he who learns from rebuke acquires understanding and grows in wisdom. When you ignore and neglect instruction, what it says is, I know better than you know. I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than God. I know what I like. So number eight is this. Self-will is puny. 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 So when you function on self-will, it's puny. So glad, grateful for the message Bible, putting it in common English and language. So it, it puts this word in this phrase. Verse 32 in the message Bible says, An undisciplined, self-willed life is puny. Cuny. an obedient, God-willed life is spacious. In other words, there is freedom with being a God-willed person. There's freedom in living your life of faith. You surrender to God, you'd be shocked to how many doors are open. You surrender to God, you'd be shocked by how much room you have. Things that you can do. You'll be shocked by what God will bless you with and how God will take you and lead you and keep you and bring you into a place of blessings. But self-willed life is puny. It's low. It's not going to get you what you want. Number nine takes us back to the very beginning of all of the lessons from chapter one to now. And this lesson is repeated over and over again. Number nine is the starting point. And the starting point is reverence for God. The starting point for everything is reverence for God. The reason you can't be humble is because you revere yourself more than you revere God. You regard yourself more than you regard God. Verse 33, the reverent fear the Lord that is worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome is the instruction for wisdom. It's the starting point and its essence. And before honor comes what? Humility. Come on back. Before honor comes humility. Before honor comes humility. The more humble you are, the more he will exalt you. You don't have to take your place. He'll elevate you into the place. He'll put you where you're supposed to be. He'll bring you into great places and among kings and leaders because you remain humble. And you remain humble by reverencing God first. and You take instruction and learn wisdom. And God says, that's the starting point. That's the essence of all the lessons. Reverence for God. Putting God first. And when I do that and I'm humble, God says, I will exalt you among the nations. I will lift you up. You don't have to come in and take a high seat. I'll bring you up to the high place. I'll let you places that no man can knock you down. You just stay humble. Let me exalt you. And in staying humble, I stay reverent before God, worshiping him first and foremost, for he is Lord. And if he's not Lord over your life, if he's not Lord of all, he is not Lord for you at all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I love you. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. I thank God for each one of you. I've had a great time teaching tonight. I pray you've had a great time listening to this word. I could go on and on. I'm respectful of your time, but I thank God for each one of you, and I pray you join us again. Join us in prayer tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Ask each of you to continue to pray. Keep praying for each other. Keep praying, holding on to one another. You know, this is a time and a season when we've got to remember each other in prayer. I'm going to ask you to keep praying for our dear brother Larry. Hold him up before the Lord. Amen. I need you to keep praying for each other against the Terry's uh, father who is really sick. And for all of those who are sick right now, Elder Holly, who's back home from the hospital, we thank God for her um, healing and that God is healing her body from the crown of her head to the sole of her very feet. We believe God for total healing. Each of you right now, I want you to know that God is with you. Brother Larry Davenport, in all of his illness, has been doing nothing but praising God, thanking God in the midst of it all, and I ask that you keep his family, particularly his son and loved ones, in your prayers even now. I love all of you with the love of the Lord. You won't change my mind. I'm continuing to pray for the Reeves family, so please help me keep lifting up my in-laws, and, my, and their entire family. I love each one of you. As we close tonight, I want to add, remind you to give as unto the Lord. I received the phone call, Deacon, we were waiting on from the Hope Church, celebrating and thanking God for us and joining them in their chair drive. And they praised God. They received our check, and we thank God for them, and we thank God for their rejoicing. So when we give on, on these Tuesday nights, what you give to us, we send it back out. And sometimes S and Deacon will call, call me or they'll, or they'll text me and say, Bishop, we just did so-and-so. Hope that's all right with you. And, I was, and I, my response is, that's what it's there for. And my other response is, that's your job. And my final response is, you don't have to ask me to do your job. You just do what you know the Lord is leading you to do, and I trust God in you. Amen? Because I I never would believe I'm the only one God speaks to in Shiloh. I I refuse to believe that. Amen? I know God's got some saints that love him as much as I do in this place. So you just saw on the screen there are three ways to give. Cash App, Givelefy, or Mail please, if you're giving in tonight's offering, please designate it benevolent and we will get that money right over to the benevolent fund. And I thank God for both our benevolent fund and our agape ministry. Both of those funds we use to send out. Agape simply means love. Agape, it means love. And so we just do that. We bless people in the community. Shiloh is always seeking to be a blessing amen well thank you so much thank you for joining us and I know that each of you are praying I was so grateful Sunday to see all the sea of red on Pentecost Sunday Woohoo! y'all looking good in the house amen I um I know the so get ready for this one coming up get, got one coming up the WNBA started a campaign which I want us to join with they are wearing orange for anti-gun violence. So one of these Sundays, we're going we gonna to do our anti-gun violence day. Amen? So I want you to know that so you start thinking about that. Because we want to we wanna join. If, if you notice, it is so on my heart that I keep mentioning it in multiple sermons because I am sick and tired of seeing politicians saying they cannot do anything. Thank you, Sister Cheryl. That's right, Brother Andrew Davenport. Thank you so much. Amen, Sister Cheryl. We love you, baby. We got, we're keeping you in prayer as well, Sister Cheryl Martin. Amen. We, um, we, we know that I'm just tired of hearing all these stories about gun violence. I just believe, you know, more people died last year by gun violence than did to the pandemic or cancer. It just makes no sense. And we can do better as a nation. Now, some of you will say, well, our state is doing well. We've got politicians, Chris Murphy, and even our governor, and all those who are really speaking out, Ned Lamond, they're, they're doing a good job. But we are praying not just for our nation, our state, but all the other states. Whether you realize it or not, we have a minority-ruled government in this country. The majority of the people live in large cities in the northeast and on the far west coast. But in between are a number of small states who have just as much veto authority of new legislation coming in as do states that have the majority of people. So the majority of the nation thinks that there ought to be some restrictions. The minority of the nation thinks that they ought to keep going the way it is. I just think that something has to happen. And I think prayer changes things. And that we as a church cannot be silent on the mistreatment of people in the earth realm. And so we'll keep talking about it. You won't shut my mouth, and we'll keep praying. Thank you for those orange hearts. I appreciate y'all. Well, my saints are on it. Y'all are on it. I love you. Amen. We're weeping with them. Amen. So get ready. I'll let you know what Sunday we're going to do it. I'll consult with the deacon, deaconess and we'll we'll get there. Amen. Love each one of you. God bless you. May God in heaven smile upon you. We keep on doing what God has called us to do because we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are the last days, but we're going to make them the greatest days of the church because the church will be seen and heard preaching the gospel I love you all go in peace and make God's peace go with you and you know what I speak over you because I speak it to you and as a prayer shalom